welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Welcome to our episode on The Forever War, the Hugo Award-winning book from the 70s, right? Yes, I believe that's right. Peter, what'd you think of this book? Um, once I understood what was going on, I thought it was really, really good. <laughs> it was a lot like Foundation in that it was a good story, and it was good, you know, content and, like, you know, there were good questions, but it was really hard to understand and kind of glean those. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was sort of, I don't know, felt dated in a similar way to Foundation. Right. I mean, which, it, which makes listen, sense. it felt, it was probably the most dated feeling book we've read. Yeah, Foundation definitely had showed its age, but this one felt... <laughs> this one was... Boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it fell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, neither of us had read it before we decided to cover it. So I think a lot of it, a lot of the content was kind of surprising, at least to me. I can't speak for you. I definitely agree with that. There's like a real fixation with homosexuality in these books. Yeah, I don't know what <laughs> like, it is. I couldn't tell what the author's stance was. Mandela was definitely like not fully okay with it but just sort of accepted it as a fact of life at the various points of his life which is fair because like you know he was he from grew, the time he came from yeah i mean like you know obviously it's still not great but like it, it was way less a thing and way less in your face in the time he came from and it was not you are in the minority if you're not gay for example and eventually it was you are an aberration if you're not gay yeah, they called him the old queer. I thought that was really funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I could definitely... I guess I could see that argument. I thought it was a stupid plot point. <laughs> it was so random. It like, was, like, almost unnecessary. Why not systemic sterilization? Like, why did it have to be everyone... Like, we're just encouraging everyone to be gay. Also, gay is definitely a choice in this universe, so that's also a thing. Yeah, they have treatments that can change you from gay to straight. They're like, oh yeah, no, we can change you, no problem. (laughs) And if you come out straight, we'll turn you gay. It's like (laughs) conservative Christian's worst nightmare world. (laughs) Like, this is what'll happen if we let gay marriage happen. Everyone will be gay. Yes, basically. But like, for real, why not force sterilization? Like, put something in the water or something? Like, what? (laughs) Literally why were they were like to control the population we're gonna make everybody gay honestly though it was <laughs> a interesting um decision yeah that felt very dated to me like that whole like that was the dystopia kind of was everyone's gay <laughs> yeah i don't know um i'm not sure if that's that might have been why he kind of did it that way maybe that was his dystopia like oh no <laughs> and everyone's like, gay Mandela did pretty much roll with the punches. The only time he had sort of a negative reaction to it was when his mom was gay, and he was like, not my mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, to be fair to him, he was like, all right, fine, I guess. And then, then he found out his mom, and that was less okay. Then he Which, did kind of bounce. He was like, I'm going to go live in a hippie commune now. With straight people, mom. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, like, all right. That's not the <clears throat> worst reaction. I mean, it's like, it's like we said, like, from the area he came from, like, not being used to it, I can see how I guess it would be, like, an adjustment. <laughs> Definitely an adjustment. 
Um, I mean, it's not. It didn't seem to change how I felt about her or anything. It just made him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, right. Which he didn't respond to by being a dick about it. He just sort of bounced, bounced, which is, I guess, sort of arguably being a dick about it. But it's better though. It's better than openly being a dick about it. Yeah, it's like he was calling her an aberration or something. Yeah, exactly. Or an old so, queer. Yeah. Or an old queer. <laughs> As he would eventually be known. Uh, his greatest nickname. For serious. The, my favorite thing to call Mandela is that old queer. The <laughs> old queer. <laughs> um, so, the first time he came back, it was obviously super, super dystopian. He had, you know, the... The world was the world's economy was in the shitter. Um, yeah, and like entirely based on the war, and yeah, there exactly. was like what seventy five percent unemployment or something stupid. High. Something insane. And the government was controlling all jobs because jobs are resources. The government controlled all resources, which is kind of like communist. Yeah, it's very war footing esque though, because everyone goes to that if they're on the war footing. Like if they're at war, you know, everyone will do anything possible. But like, hold up, come on, man. <laughs> we just chill for like a second yeah I mean it, it is interesting to think about the earth if the entire earth's at war for decades how the earth would change I mean that that definitely was like I guess where he's, his, he's coming from because normally in times of war there's other places on the earth that aren't at war and that can like sort of still be continuing in a normal way but like nothing would be normal for anyone on earth if the entire earth was at war right so that's kind of ridiculous bizarre what <laughs> i mean it's just the idea that like the whole the whole population is just that's their sole purpose yeah it's uneasy it's it's unnerving to think about I mean, and pretty yeah. sad and like tons of crime and pretty just like it was honestly a pretty dismal book all around <laughs> like yeah, kind of bugged of me out there. pretty thoroughly yeah, but I guess really. you should have figured that like it, it seemed pretty clear to be a, a dismal book but I didn't find a lot of like hopefulness in it or redemption well yeah I agree the the one interesting part about it, I feel like is the fact that um a lot of books from that era were like, oh, humanity's gonna, you know, reach the stars, and, like, you know, there's no issue, like, no, you know, no, um... No obstacles. <laughs> no, no obstacles too great, humanity will have fast and light travel in the next century, all this shit. Yeah. And it just didn't. Yeah. And, uh, this was, like, the opposite. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah, we hold a shit, but shit sucks. But it, it was not good for humanity to reach out beyond Saul. Yeah, exactly. And our system here. It was a net loss for humanity that we ever went beyond it. For sure. And, I mean, the reveal at the end was kind of a major bummer. Like, the idea that the whole war had basically been started through misunderstanding. Which is not something that's totally new, obviously. That's a big part of Ender's game in other books. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, like, you kind of get a glimmer of that in Mandela's first ground action when they were fighting. Oh, God, I don't even remember what the aliens are called. I just finished this book. They were fighting the aliens. weren't they? Torrens, yes, Torrens. Uh, they were fighting the Torrens, and the Torrens were, like, fleeing and not fighting back. And they're like, well, that's weird. Oh, but, like, we haven't even talked about Peter, the um, conditioning that went into it. Yeah, it was super weird. 
I feel like the actual bad guy of this book is the military. Like, that's that's the antagonist. I would agree with that. Because it's going to, like, you know, kind of chill. Like, they're not, you know, obviously there's there, something bad must have happened for, like, to instigate all this, but... Yeah, I mean, like, that notion sort of arose for me maybe, like, halfway through the book. Like, I don't think the Torrents are really the real bad guys. I think the military is the real bad guys. Not necessarily, like, in-universe, but, like, from my perspective as the reader. But then you find out at the end that that, like, kind of is literally true in-universe, too. Like, the military just really wanted an excuse to go back to war. Right, right. And the Torrens were sort of the scapegoat. And obviously fought back because we attacked them as far as they could tell, you know, in cold blood. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, pretty dismal. Pretty, pretty shitty of us, huh? And, like, kind of was in cold blood. Like, there's a degree to which they're like, oh, maybe the generals just got carried away, but I think that, honestly, it's like, they knew what they were doing, and there was never really a reason for it. They just and then, did it. They just started going after them. And humanity accepted it because we needed a war for the economy. Which is a pretty bad reason. Yeah. Exactly. As far as reasons go, not a great one. Yeah, not not exactly a uh, you feel good seventies book. No, it was really. I, I I can't get over how just dark this book was. It really was. It was just. Really I'm not gonna lie. I didn't enjoy it that much. I know. I I acknowledge that this is a good book, but like it wasn't very fun. Mm-mm. Which I guess is fair, and you know probably like, sorry, the first that we'll do a, a not fun book. For once. Yeah, finally, at long last, but I did not like it. <laughs> I feel like it's really felt in the tone of this episode. We're just like, and this sucked, and that sucked. Everything and sucked. It was very sad. I mean, like, ugh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, we talked about, um, Let's talk about the conditioning a little bit. All right. Like, the idea that... I thought it was an interesting idea, like, that humans would need to be conditioned to be willing to just go to town on enemies and have it be, like, less, I guess, guilt laid on them because they can be like, well, it was my conditioning, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Do you feel like that's something that could ever have a place? Like, even in, even like, in like a future sci-fi military. Like, not the military of today, necessarily, but... In a I future feel like you can see that role somewhere, coming into place at some point. Um. Well, to kind of jump to a com- different vein of sci-fi from a similar era, um, Star Trek: The Next Generation talked about the. It was almost like um, it was it was a series of wars fought by soldiers who were controlled by drugs. Oh. And controlled like by drugs like, in what way? Star Trek has this has this uh, this theme where like the twenty first century was like hell on earth like world wars huge resource crises and all that and then Fair. one guy in like montana <laughs> discovered warp drive and 20th century you mean or the 21st century still what do you mean the 21st century or do you mean the 20th century like the 1900s no the 21st century oh really so there's been fictional world wars etc yeah yeah like like horrible wars resource crises all that oh, okay okay that tore the world apart and one of them was like a time where all soldiers were controlled by um, drug injections, things like that, from their armor. Oh, God. And that was the the, the idea. Um, so this is not totally dissimilar to this. Well, it might have inspired the Star Trek stuff to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. Could have. You said, um, you said it was Next Generation, right? So that would yeah. have been later than this. 
Yeah, like when uh, when our brother was a kid. Yes. Um, so yeah, it might have inspired it. It might have just added a little flavor of dystopian. Because I mean, I could see, I could see sort of to an extent how you would do that. Like I would think that maybe it would start with um, trying to prevent soldiers from developing like PTSD and stuff like that, like tempering their reactions. And, and they would and, start in a good place. Yeah, I, I can, I can see how that would develop. So you'd be like, okay, well, like. Soldiers are experiencing like high stress, but like beyond what could be helpful for a flight, fight or flight symptom. Like so, we're gonna um, try to lower their cortisol levels and make it sort of make battle less traumatic for soldiers. Like yeah. it's you starting there, and that's really in a way what this conditioning was, except that it made it kind of more traumatic because and they're like performing these horrible acts of brutality, and even though they knew consciously that it's not their fault, they still did it and have all the memories from it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, I don't know. I mean, they talked about how, like, I don't think that they really discern when they are and are not under it. Like, yeah, they can tell, like, I would have been more than mildly concerned about this. Things like that. But I think, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't think that the, 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 their memories would have, like, because would have had a particular power afterwards because they would go, oh, God, what did I do? It was, they were like, oh, okay. But they kind of moved do on. This. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of it was guilt or just, like, still having those images in your mind and being disturbed by them, as you would be disturbed by having watched a violent movie, potentially. But maybe that kind of reaction is recalling how you reacted at the time. Like, if it scared you, then it scares you now. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, well, I, I mean, I don't think anyone's sure. I don't think that's something we have the answer to. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, a pretty simple book. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Wasn't a whole lot of uh, explanation of how people thought it ain't given done. There was, like, an occasional check-in with Mandela, and that was more or less it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it, but it also shows that that kind of time was, this was more common. Yes. Like, you know, uh, emotional internal dialogues were not exactly the order of the day. Yeah, I think that... I don't know. Our experience with vintage sci-fi for me seems to be less focused on individual characters and their development and more focused on like the world mm-hmm. and what's happening in the world. Like you saw that with Rama, you saw that with um this and you saw it with another one who I am forgetting right now, but <laughs> it was a part of it for sure. Foundation, yes, that's the one. The one we already talked about this episode. Yeah, like, I, I think that there's not a lot of focus on individuals in those. Like, individuals are a vehicle to tell the larger story of humanity. And I think that's the case with this one, too. And it's something that makes it harder for me to get into vintage books. Like, with Rama, I was so fascinated by the mystery of Rama. I didn't care that much. Um, with Foundation and this one, it, it impacted my experience a little bit more, though. Really? Yeah, like... Yeah, I'm not sorry I read either of them, but I it I found it less enjoyable because I didn't have like a character to sort of invest in. I get that. It would it helps if like you can really ident- even identify with one of the characters and go like, oh, this 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 person. Yeah, is and I mean, I feel. And the only real thread of consistency we get through this one is Mandela. Mandela is fine, but he's not like particularly likable. Yeah, I mean, I think he's um. I don't know. I, I kind of like him. He, I just think he has a, he's 
he's, he's fine. A, he's fine. He's not a particularly interesting character. It's just he's kind of does his thing. Yeah, along. like they make they make mention of the fact that he studied physics and he would kind of like to do research, but like they don't bring it up very often. And I mean, maybe that's part of the point is that the military sort of erased who he was and like robbed him of his agency to become the person he was meant to be. Like he wanted to be a physicist and he was conscripted to begin with. Okay, that was trash. But then he went into service and he's like, okay, I'm back. Like, Earth's pretty different, but it's still the Earth that I remember. And my mom's here and like, I have connections to this planet. I'm going to try to like get a job and figure out the rest of my life and just survive in this world. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, doing his best. Yeah, just he's just doing his best. And then the military pulls him back in and immediately changes his orders and sends him off again. And then it's a matter of centuries. And that's when it, like, I feel like really seals his fate of, like, sorry, you don't really get to have any freedom of development of yourself anymore. That's gone. The military has taken that from you. And the final blow really was when they separated him from Mary Gay. And despite all of his protests and his, like, you know, persuasive attempts to be like... (laughs) <laughs> this is the only connection I have to the world that I've ever known and you're taking her away and like why can't she just serve in my unit and military's like eh, no yeah, for whatever on. reason not a reason that's explained like there's never any emotional payoff for that because they just do it and it seems random and it seems like uncaring I think that might be the point like it's it's like, well, they, they came to their decision. Why should they go through any extra effort to help you fix it? Yeah, they're like, well, no. Like, she's going here and you're staying here. And that's just how it is. Yeah. And they're, this- like, they're like, the military staff's already been allocated. And he's like, they're not even going to be born by the time I leave to rendezvous with them. Right. Right. Which was a, just sort of interesting, uh, interesting parallel there. Yep, absolutely. And, I don't know, that kind of reminds me of... The idea of fighting an interstellar war without fast like communication. God, <laughs> like, it sucks. They were doing all this planning so far out, all around it, like, and you have to have a lot of agency in every single local gov- like local military structure. Like, that's insane. Yes. Imagine if there was no command and control in any sort of battle. None. Like, there's just a bunch of ships going out there, and sometimes yeah, they come back, shoot them out into the world, and we don't know why. Like, who's the architect of this war? Who's, who, like, <laughs> who's the commander-in-chief here, you know? Is there even one? They're just waiting centuries for reports to come back from ships they sent out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, and, like, how do you even strategically figure out, like, how to box, box the, the um, t- uh, Torrens off? Like, how are you supposed to say, like, this is where they are now? So... You need to go, and you'll get there in a couple decades, and you'll build a base, and you'll defend it for a while, and then come back in a couple decades, and let us know how it goes. Like, yeah. even with the collapsars, which are kind of, I guess, like, wormholes almost? Yeah, I figured we'd talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but, but We'll get to them. We'll get to collapsars. But but the other, the other part of the, um, I guess, logistical problem mm-hmm. was talking about how... You never know what level of technology your enemy is going to be at. That was very it's, cool. It's something I hadn't thought about before, and I don't feel like it's mentioned very often because, I guess, because we haven't been in military sci-fi. 
very much. Fair but enough. like the idea that you know, by the time your enemy comes out to meet you, they've already met ships that are like potentially more advanced even than you are. Mm-hmm. Because you just went farther. And so, like, potentially they could have all these weapons that negate what you have or, like, all these defenses that negate the weapons that you have because they've already met somebody of your technological prowess. Or they could have no idea what you have. And you could have, like, a huge technological advantage. But because you don't know where they're coming from, you don't know where their base of operations is, it's almost impossible to tell, sort of, how you measure up technologically until you get there and you start shooting. Right, you have no idea. Although I almost wonder if you could use that, like, tracking that pattern to figure out the rough vicinity of their homeworld. You're like, okay, well, this was a ship that was this many subjective years old, and, like, or this many objective years from its creation, and they had less technology than that, so it must have been launched from there at, like, this time. You know what I mean? I think maybe you could get I feel like an algorithm could totally track that. I feel like you would probably not be able to get a very, very good one. Depends on your sample size. Depends on your sample size. It depends on whether or not they start un- like having any sort of detours in their flights. Well, that's true, too. Was it this one that they said that they like sort of scatter out in multiple directions? Yeah, because before going back to heaven, right? Because they were like, they can't know where Earth is and they can't know where heaven is. So we're scattering and we'll eventually like make our way back. Yeah, exactly. Which adds a ton to your subject, or not your subject, your objective time. Yeah, definitely true. Not so much. Yeah, that's true. That probably obscures it to an extent. But I just think that's such an interesting problem, and like you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, keep updating your ships and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, And you know, just like try your best, like advance quicker, because eventually, if we have more advanced ships out in space than the Torrens do, you win, basically. Right. And so, how did the war eventually come to an end? They just sort of were able to communicate and they both went like hey what the fuck dude and they're both like what do you mean me <laughs> you started this war that's what's implied it's like really poorly explained it really is like they don't explain how they made contact why they made contact anything they're just like yeah it turns out it was all just a big misunderstanding sorry yeah i mean like and, there was and a- i don't even know if it was like post clones like did the clones do it the clones did it uh-huh. So humans started So humans decided to do that weird clone shit before yeah, he, they had even finished the war with the Torrens. Which I guess was, I can see to an extent, because they're like, well, this is the ideal person, so we need to start staffing our ships with, like, copies and copies of him. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the, the clones started staffing the ships, and then they were like, hey, wait a second. And somehow they, they were able to communicate uniquely because of that, because the Torrens were also genetic clones. Oh, is that what they said? Yeah, the Torrens were natural genetic clones. I missed clones. that. Okay, kind of rushed through the last section of the book. I think it's implied that clones get a latent, like, psychic ability. Like, almost like a. Nonsense. Like a group consciousness. They have, like, a hive mind now because they're clones of each other. Like, you know, like twins do. Yeah, twins do get a hive mind, if that's true. That's true. That's just science. That's, yeah, that is science. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm not. Good. That was me weeping at the beauty of clones. That's very serious. But, anyway, so yeah, they were able to, like, they, then they were able to reach out to the Torrens and be like, hey, what the fuck? Why are we yeah. doing this, man? Yes. I don't even, it seems so weird. That's 
kind of interesting though. I had missed that detail that it was because like, hey, we have a hive mind, you have a hive mind. Yeah, exactly. I do wonder the, if this inspired Ender's game to an extent. Sorry? I do wonder if this inspired Ender's game to an extent. I feel like there's a chance. There's a pretty decent chance it did because like it, the war was because of they sound died. kind of insectoid to be honest by their description they've got like the whole thorax thing um they sound like something someone made in uh in spore in spore do you know what spore is i don't remember what spore is i think you've told me before spore is a computer game where you take like a creature you create from cell to space travel <laughs> but like you can end up with some weird looking creatures sort of like the torrens yeah, no, honestly, like the Torrens. Very unlikely creations, to be honest. Yeah, evolution would not have gone for that. This is ridiculous. I don't know, we got some weird-looking things on Earth, too. I do keep wanting to call them the Formix, though. I think that there's, like, a real parallel. Both, yeah. you know, wars started by misunderstanding, and... Like, if we had eliminated them, we would have ended up with potentially a similar level of guilt. Yeah, I, um... I'm not sure if that's true, because... I don't know, I feel like the military in Ender's Game, well, they weren't, you know, the IF was not, like, understanding it and, and particularly altruistic. They seemed a little more above the board than the military of this book. Yeah, military of this book's pretty effing awful. <laughs> like, hell, after the war, Graf was, was, like, put on trial. Like Yeah, they were like, hey, you participated in reckless child endangerment. He's like, yeah. Yeah, th- true. I did. I did do that. That's my bad. There's some so like but, a pretty you're clear welcome. sense of there's still an ethical exactly. line. Whereas in this book, there really didn't seem to be any. Like you were conscripted and that forfeited all your rights. Period. Yeah, they could because they're even like at the beginning, they're like, yeah, they could always just extend it because they, you know, the, they updated the uh, elite conscription act, and so you know they could just add another six, eight, ten years onto our service obligation and nobody could do shit about it yeah tears obligation seemed insane well i mean in in a way that makes sense in this world because two years was decades subjective or objective time so Mm -hmm. it makes sense that their service obligations couldn't be that long because in order to serve for that long they would miss out on you know the entire lifetimes of everybody they knew outside of the service also it works out pretty well that like you go out you do a tour you come back yeah yeah exactly you get trained you do your tour you return and then you're free and i'm not sure that two years isn't the amount of time that people serve conscription during you know vietnam and um world war ii and all that stuff it might have been two years yeah that i you're right i have no idea what that rule what the timeline there was so I, right. I I would not be surprised if somebody said two years. That's probably what it's based on. That's a good point. Especially because it came out in the 70s. Yeah, for sure. Like, the timing there was pretty, um, pretty dead on. <laughs> I mean, they had, um, Vietnam vets in the, uh, in the army, didn't they? They did. That was really funny. That they were like, yeah, the last four he, the last war he fought in was, uh, Vietnam. And it was like that was a and the guy he was like a younger guy. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me how old this book's the book is. Yeah, I really brought you back, huh? I was like, oh damn, okay. <laughs> Shit. <Boop. clears throat> Excuse me. One part I thought I uh was interesting was I forget what time they went back. That it was like this. Maybe it was like after Mandela 
was off on his own without Mary Gay and rendezvoused with his new company. And everyone was completely ethnically ambiguous because the eugenics had basically been used to mix all of the races until, like, you got to the point where there was no racial divide at all anymore. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting because usually you find with eugenics in fiction, it's used to sort of destroy or erase one race and elevate another. But in this one, it's like, we're going ele- to we're gonna get rid of the whole concept of race and make one great human race so that nobody gets caught up in racial distinctions anymore. I Which mean, makes a weird sort of sense. It makes a weird sort of sense. I mean, you could also claim, though, that that's like ethnic erasure and that you're, you know, getting rid of people's cultures and stuff like that and doing sort of a similar type of thing to like when they would take, you know, Native American kids and destroy their Native Americanness and make them act all white. Like, in this case, it's not making them all act white, but it is still kind of, I think, obscuring the idea of ethnicity and culture and getting, getting rid of that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, maybe ethnicity still existed, but not race. Granted, if it was just ethnicity and everyone looked the same, we would probably still fight over it. Yeah, I think it would go. I think it would go away pretty quick. You think fighting would go away, or you think ethnic tradition would go away? I think ethnic tradition would go away. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, too, there's not, like, traditional family units, it sounds like, at all. Well, certainly not traditional, but it seems like not really family units, as we would think of them at all. Yeah, like, there were those creches. Um, yes. Little, where like, ones would be raised. Yeah, the little housing community where they're, like, putting artificial wombs and shit like that. Yeah. Ugh, makes me shudder. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and then you talk to the people... Uh, when Mandela had this conversation with them and they're like, ugh, no, just the idea of having a, a man inside of me is just so appalling. And he's like, it's like the most natural thing based on, you know, our biology. And she's just like, no, gross. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Which, like, I'm not gay. I don't have any other, like, good female friends who are, so I can't ask their opinions. But I feel like that's probably part of it. If you are a woman who only prefers other women, it probably is pretty appalling, the idea. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I don't know. But the idea that to her it's, like, not just appalling, but, like, unthinkable. Like, unclean. I don't understand why anybody would want that type of a thing. It's just interesting. I mean, makes it all seem like it's very much about, I guess, the cultural structure. Right, right. Um, What was the name of the doctor? Doctor, uh... Uh, Diana? Diana. I don't remember her last name. But who was like a, a closet a closet heterosexual? <laughs> Not even though she's just kind of like, no, you can have sex with me. I know you need to get off. I know it was really funny. And I'm funny. hammered, and I was like, oh my god, is this about to be a date rape thing? And then it wasn't, thank God. Yeah, I was like, I was looking sort I was like, of Ugh. almost was. And he was like, it was highly borderline, but we didn't get there. Yeah, and he was like, not like, oh, I can never do that to you. He's like, he's like, no, I mustn't. And she's like, you really can. And he's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and only when she passes out is he like mm, too bad window has closed yeah well at least there was that at least she passed out he's like you know what maybe I'm not gonna do this hey, I'm gonna stop let's stop <laughs> alright yeah yeah alright let's stop I mean he was right to stop I mean yeah good job maybe she'll stop a little earlier but yeah, yeah. Stopped. yeah it was the 70s when this was written <laughs> it's probably pretty good for the 70s it's probably pretty progressive for the 70s vintage woke Oh, God. The worst kind of woke. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that's true, but we'll take it offline. 
What? I'm not sure that's true, but we'll take it offline. <laughs> what What's the best kind of woke would be an entire uh, episode's worth of conversation? <laughs> Probably not one we're willing to share, though. <laughs> like, the one we'll delete or keep, you know, in, in the archives. <laughs> yes. Bonus episode. Can we, can Never you say to be heard. donor ep? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So. And, so, yeah, the, um, I don't know, it's, it's a, it's funny, but as you pointed out earlier, that seems like pretty extreme to go, all right, we have a population problem. I know. Let's make everyone gay. Oh, good idea, Jim. <laughs> First of all, promoted. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jim, Jeffrey. Here are my keys. Take my car. How are we going to do it? Uh, We're yeah, going it was to so exert weird. pressure, I guess? What? I guess they just exerted pressure. They, like, made it seem like it was the best thing in the world to be gay. And because being gay is a choice in this universe, <laughs> written, um, everyone just did. Everyone just was. Well, I don't know about that. It's very ambiguous on it, but they really do make it seem like, well, you can really go either way. I don't know. It seemed like they probably did mental conditioning, like, Obviously, they've got hypnotism down. That's that's a good point. Maybe there was conditioning involved. Because they said, like, we can cure you being straight. So, like... Yeah, that, like, oh, yeah, no problem. That implies that there was, like, there's definitely some conditioning. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. They do make mention of that. But I don't know if that's true initially. That's probably true by the time they make it, like, an everybody's gay thing. But I think that... Um, in, well, no the, in this sort of initial change, it seemed like sort of a natural progression. Like when they initially came back, it was mm-hmm. it was it wasn't anything crazy. I think it was like maybe a third of all people were homosexual, which is not too insane, or like no. wildly alien to where we are now. Right, right. I don't think it's nearly a third, but <laughs> and it's not inconceivable. Is my point? Yeah. Then they um, then they, like every time they came back, more and more people were gay. <laughs> <laughs> the gay keeps growing. Oh no! It's spreading. Oh no, Mandela! I guess it really was contagious after all. Yeah, they were right all along. <laughs> Tell you, because it was a Christian nightmare. <laughs> the gay was spreading. <laughs> I mean, to 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 what extent you kind of wonder what the point was of the continued association between men and women. If everyone's gay, like why even bother? I know, right? <laughs> I, think would, I mean, honestly, what could have been an interesting storyline to be like, oh, yeah, there was a civil war between men and women. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of drop that. Yeah. And be like, oh, all right. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and they just move on. They never fully explain it because it's a 70s sci-fi. Yeah, basically. Honestly, I would have been so mad. <laughs> I was like, no, Pretty you come much. back here and you tell me the rest of that story. Yeah, I mean, based on the rest of the book, they definitely wouldn't have explained it. They definitely would have dropped it offhand and never said anything about it again. Yeah, exactly. And that would make me so mad. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Do you want to talk about the collapse hours now? All right. Yeah, what the fuck? I just c- translated collapse art or wormhole and kept going with my day, which is actually appropriate because this week's episode of The Universe and You is on wormholes, right? Yes, it will be. <laughs> so go to The Universe and You to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. But does the collapse hour? Res- I mean, realistically though, does it resemble anything else in in our understanding of? It doesn't really resemble wormholes either. Okay. Because the idea is that it it resembles no nothing in our understanding of. What about black hole, white hole? Potentially white hole. 
Okay. Well, because isn't the idea that, like, it pulls stuff in? Which no, is what no. black holes well, do? I mean, yes. But, yeah, you fly into it, and then you bounce off of it, basically. But, like, into a different place? No, you bounce off of it, until, and then it sends you until you hit another collapsar. But they said that the transit time between collapsars was, like, nothing, isn't it? It's, like, it's a, it's a measurable, but not a significant amount of time. So you bounce off of it, and it, like, it surges you to, like, it sends you into some sort of alternate space, and all of a sudden you're at the new place. But, like, no subjective or objective time has passed. Correct. I thought. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, maybe, okay, so that explains why they had to get up to such ridiculous velocities before they hit the collapsar. I mean, yeah, but also, like, you have to be at those velocities to travel between stars. No, that's true, but they kept being like, okay, now we're getting close to the collapsar, so we really gotta, like, crank it up. Crank it up. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So, I mean, I don't know. That That's nothing. There's nothing out there like that. Wormhole, I guess, <laughs> is the closest. But. Or, um. No, it's not really even, like, flow shoals. I was trying to think if we've like, read anything like it in other books. Not as far as I can tell, because it's not the even, like... The only way I can... Sorry, go on. Well, it's not even, like, you can jump, and it's at, like, a light speed. Or it was, like, a Farcaster and Hyperion. Like, it's a natural phenomena that you hit one of these going fast enough, and you bounce off it to another one somewhere else in the galaxy. <laughs> and that's it. That's the idea. Like, that's crazy. And, like, does does any collapsar go to any other collapsar, or do they only go, like, they're connected? I think any like collapsar goes to any other collapsar. You just have to be running at that collapsar in the exact opposite direction from the other collapsar you want to go to. Okay. And that's handy. it will send you to the next collapsar you hit. That's handy, but easy to screw up. Yeah, really easy. Well, they were talking about how they were going to, like, that one outpost that was, like, the, in the outer reaches of the galaxy. They're like, yeah, if we fucking miss this one, we're going. <laughs> That's it. They're like, yeah, we're usually calculations so. are, like, important, but, like, you can, you know, you can mess them up a little bit because you'll just hit another collapse arc. The, the conditions would be, you know. Yeah, but, like, because apparently the fucking galaxy is like, littered with them. Apparently. Apparently they're everywhere. I mean, the yeah, that's really the only um, way it's, like, the flow shoals, though, is that, like, it seemed, it seemed that the location of the collapse size was what controlled the locations of the war mm-hmm. and yes. in this in much the same way that the interdependency is built around the flow yes the um the collapsars are economically and politically very similar to the flow yes I would except that humanity went way downhill <laughs> Yeah, I'd live in the kind of I'd just sort of fell apart. Than the, uh, I'd way rather live in the independency. The independency seemed pretty chill most of the time. No building corruption be damned. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah. What else was I gonna say about it? About collapse um, I thought the that's the clone thing. Why did we do that? You mentioned it, because, like, we wanted to have, like, perfect team modes in the ships. Also, probably. No, but, like, are you even humanity if you're just clones? I feel like there's a new species at that point. You're clones of the one same person. Like, that feels divergent to me. Do you mean, why did we go, like, full-on clone? or why? Yeah, why are we, like, no, human society is clones? Except, you know, there's some breeders out there, but, like, mostly human society is clones. The breeders, we let them keep going just because we want to have, like, a 
gene pool available if we need to clone again. I think that the reason why it was done was because they saw the group consciousness as being advantageous. So, like, the group consciousness unconsciousness is there. And they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. We got all this problem solved, all that. Um, but then eventually, they were like, all right, um, hold on. This is so much better than people. Um, I just feel like... I almost wonder if there's a singularity type thing. Like, they made the clones to serve in the army. And eventually the clones were like, we could do a better job running this whole sort of species than you could. And kind of just took the reins. It's possible. Because somebody had to make the decision to make the clones. And then the decision to let the clones run the show. Well, what if what happened was the clones found out about the Torrens. They ended the war. Where did the clones go? Well, now they're civilians. And all of a sudden, most of the population is clones. And they were like, well, you're just clones, so you wait here for the rest of the humans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. But I think the, uh, the clones eventually you know, worked, uh, worked themselves back into power. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. Uh, for all... um. For all Mandela's misfortunes, he was at least super lucky that at the end, he and Mary Gabe both survived this war, which basically killed most of the people who went into it. Yeah, they're two people that survived the entire duration of the war. Yeah, and they're probably the only two. They never make any mention of any of their other classmates again. I'd bet they're the only two. Yeah, it's, it's pretty safe to assume. Although, you know, that was like the only semi-uplifting thing was at the end that like she figured out a way to wait for him, kind of. That was so nice. That was so that beautiful. Was, it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Something nice in this book. <laughs> yeah, her and the other the other veterans saved up and yeah. bought like a, a small cruiser yeah. from the, the retiring, the mothballing fleet. And they're like, all right, let's go. And just start going back gonna, and forth. We're going to pull a Mazer Rackham. Yeah. Spoiler alert under scheme. straight up Mazer Rackham. <laughs> um, no, that was, that was the nice thing. I mean, they're still going to have to live in like this brave new world, but... At but least they'll, they'll have, have somebody, anybody, somebody who understands. in this wild, wild, weird world that they live in. And Mandela got that you keep Charlie as a friend, which was nice. They could hang. Charlie's trying straight life. Charlie's like, yeah, I'll dabble. I'll check it out. <laughs> Let's see what all the hubbub's about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It was, that was nice. So there, there was a sort of a happy ending. Oh, yeah, and Diane, the doctor, delivered their child. Yeah, that was funny. And that was, that was <laughs> yeah, he kept his squad. I thought it was really funny that um, at the end, Mary Gay was only 28. Can you imagine? That's two I, years older than I am now. Imagine having traveled through the centuries like that. Being through all that shit. Yeah. Like skipping being like, through well, the I've world. got my whole life ahead of me. Yeah. I feel that, like the whole, the the whole thing would seem more and more like a dream as you went forward through life. Just a weird fever dream that she had. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, though. It's, um... Because, honestly, that's a lot of change for humanity to go through in just a millennium, too. You think so? A millennium's a long time. A millennium ago, we were still, uh... <gasps> we were clawing away out of the Dark Ages. Yeah. Feudal rule everywhere and so on and so forth. Yeah, like, I, and I'm sitting at a computer right now recording this, and then downstairs I have a printer printing out 3D objects. Like no, I was wondering if you were going to mention that Peter got a three D printer for Christmas. It was good. It, it was it, the best Christmas present ever. It's working now. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Is it still making your test dog? No, the test dog's done. Oh, you have to add, bring it tonight. Oh, I will. <laughs> no, it's printing upgrades. Ooh. And many, well, many Bobiverse references has been made. Oh, yes. Very appropriate. Anyway. Um, but, like, in a thousand years, we've come so far. We, most people, except gays now. Imagine if you were gay, you probably got burned at the stake then. Yeah. Or you were very rich. <laughs> or you were super rich. <laughs> so, yeah. These like, were your options. In a thousand years, we've come a long way. In a hundred years, we've come a long way. I think in a thousand years, the species could change completely. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we're still the same in a lot of ways. As we were a thousand years ago, like, yeah, obviously our technology has come very far, but we have not changed that much. We, as a biological species, have not changed that much. As, well, as the biological species, well, as time goes on, like, we have CRISPR now, like, the, there is a lot of opportunity for That's us to true. change ourselves. It's true. We're at this point where, like, we can't. We have now the power to change ourselves. We don't have to wait for evolution to catch up with our change. That's true. We can do it sort ourselves. Of. So think some people. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not for this conversation. <laughs> but yeah, and so that's does I think a thousand years perfectly fine. That's that is a level of change I could see in a thousand years. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or none of those will be here at all. Mm, probably more likely. <laughs> more likely. Uh, sad. R.I.P. Oh, good. We're just as dismal as this book. Hey, what a great note to end 2018 on. (laughs) (laughs) And let's all get ready to die. We are a mortal race. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Yay! um, Violent by nature. Love war. Love war. Super love war. Very, very... It's only scientific enough to build bigger weapons for war. That's... Hey, what else drives technology? Am I right? Oh, okay, so that's something we haven't talked about. The fucking Elite Constrip- skin, uh, Conscription Act. That, like, everyone in the world who was like, had an IQ of above 150 and like, had, like, physical prowess was conscripted into the military. That seems like such a bad idea. That's crazy. Because every, every other war, you've been able to get out of the military by being like, I'm actually a really great resource to our, like, country. Yeah, like, and they'll I'm be smart. like, yeah, you are. You, yeah. the draft you are more than out. just cannon fodder. In this one, they used, like, all their best as cannon fodder. And maybe that's why everything went to shit on Earth. Yeah, because no one's back doing anything good. Yeah. It, it, everything became about the war, and all, like, the, the best and brightest went off and died in it. Yeah. I mean, and then humanity really suffered for it, obviously. Yeah. Like, I do wonder how things would have been different if you, they had just, like, kept the regular conscription. Because, yeah, in every other war, you could be like, well, I'm getting my, like, physics doctorate, or, like, I'm working at this research institute, or what have you, and they would have been like, great, keep doing what you're doing, that helps the war in its own way. But in this one, they're just like, nope, 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 off to war with you. Yeah, best, go. And, like, they're doing shit that you don't have to be the best for. You have to go fight a, the ground troops. Like They I really see- didn't need to be the best. Like, I guess initially, when it was, like, the explore- exploration force, expeditionary force. Yes. And they were like, okay, w- these animals, are they the taurins? No, I don't think they are. They're, like, eating the grass. They're breathing the air. They're probably not the taurins. Like, there was analysis and, like, information gathering happening, mm-hmm. which I, I honestly, was probably my favorite part of the book. That was when cool. they to, first they got the there. Looked like. they just knew that they was existed. a really cool idea to me. Like, hey, no one's ever seen a tour, and like, yeah, we've been at war with them for you know decades, but we, no one's ever seen them. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to recognize them or what they're capable of. So let's find out. These things kind of look like cows with n- no eyes. 
<laughs> what, yeah. what's what's their deal? What's the deal with Are this? they Torrens? <laughs> Turns out they're psychic. Yeah. Also, that was weird. There were like kind of psychics, right? Yeah. In the beginning, like, and just sure, never psychics. mentioned again. And they come on like ran sensitive. That must be a seventies concept. I'm not familiar with because I have no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. We'll find out. It might have just been we were supposed to find out with context clues. Yeah, I mean, and I, I did seem to be, like, some sort of empathic link with the animals, but since killing them killed people in their party who were ransensitive. Mm-hmm, right. Um, but yeah, no, like, so I could maybe see the Elite Conscription Act for, like, the beginning, where it's like, hey, we have no idea what the hell is going on. We need, like, bright people on the ground who are able to physically tough it out mm. and who are going to figure out what the hell is happening. But then after that, let those people go and join research labs and, like, do the work that they were born to do in in support of humanity. But instead, they just, like, kept throwing them into the meat grinder. Yeah, and just killing them all. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was bad. It was real bad. It was very, very bad. And I do, I do wonder, I wish they'd included statistics, like, how many humans died in the war over the years, because... I'm sure an insane number. They said that you have, like, a one in three chance of surviving any battle. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> battle after battle after battle. Yeah. Like, any kind of combat encounter, like, one in three chance. Mm-hmm. Must have been a lot of people dying. Yeah. I mean, that because they kept drafting them, it seems. I think they say eventually, like, in that final sort of dystopia, everybody joined the military. Like, everybody was in the military for some amount of time. When? Um... When Mandela met up with his crew. Post Marigay. Oh, yeah, everyone had a dedicated military service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there was required military service, like, in a like in communist country. Right. Yeah, so, like, that was... Pretty bad. I mean, if, if that... However long that was going on, that many people went into the military. <laughs> Everybody was in the military at some point. Yeah, and every, like, you know... 10 years or whatever you lost a third of your people from combat right right that's not sustainable no sir and that's why they had to keep conscripting people i guess they just kept taking uh, the torrents. i don't know i was disappointed by the lack of information about the torrents in general because they're like, like there's yeah. a one description of them in the beginning yeah super weird looking and also not very smart it seemed like yes don't talk just about sort of the torrents at any point um like with the he and her that's true they didn't really understand gendering or whether that even was a thing for Torrance. yeah maybe they reproduce asexually i guess they must have because they're clone race right (laughs) there you go so they might not have any gender oh that was stupid by the way they (laughs) (laughs) they had male and female clones of one person (laughs) well i think it's because they were like all right we don't want to destroy one of humanity's genders so like he, he and her we'll make are like fake the, women. the paragons of each gender. Because different traits are good for each one. Like, oh. Oh. No, I think they were all the one dude. They were all clone from one dude, weren't they? No, no, like, yeah. He was all one guy. Her was all one girl. Oh, really? They didn't yeah. say who the girl was. Okay, that makes way more sense. I thought they were saying that the female and male of humanity were both cloned from the guy. And I'm like, did they all have sex change operations? Yeah, I mean, that doesn't seem... Hormones? I, no, I think the idea was they found the perfect woman and the perfect man. Okay. 
and, by their then, standard. Then yeah, through eugenics and then cloned them forever. Gotcha. Maybe. I don't know. Weird. This is weird. Like I said. I don't like that idea that humanity would head that way. But I also don't really believe that humanity is heading that way. So I think we're okay for there. We're on that We're side. okay for now. I think we'll we'll see that before we get there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be able to see that one coming. From a little farther away, hopefully. Alright, what well, do uh, you think, Peter? Do you have um do you have more? I have an interesting tidbit or two. Okay. Um share with the class. First of all, the author, uh, Joe Haldman. He actually was uh, drafted in Vietnam. Oh, uh, that explains a lot. And so he saw this as a uh, as a way to. Well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. He saw it, but like, it was seen as a portrayal of the author's military service during the war and kind of an account of his experience written through the the filter of a space opera, the genre. That's interesting. Which kind of makes sense to me. That might be why they have, like, those random stabs of Mandela development where it's like, oh, you're just a failed pacifist and stuff like that. Because, yeah. like, they don't focus on him that much. And then they'll be like, oh, no, like, he just wanted to be a physics teacher and now he's, like, a soldier and he was a pacifist, but he's not anymore. And that's all in his psych profile. But, like, they also don't talk about it very often. <laughs> Absolutely. So maybe that's, like, what made him inject those things because it's what he sees in himself. So it's what he saw in Mandela. That's entirely possible. Also, I've never thought about it this way, but, like, in the Vietnam War, I bet when they came back after the war, like, the country had changed. Like, there was the peace movement, like... That's true. They probably, to not to the same extent, but, like, they probably still felt as though they were coming home to an alien world. Yeah, they've come from a jungle where they've been surviving for two years, fighting off these people that they can't understand. Right. And in many ways seem dumb, but also, you know, they have some clever moves. And uh, <laughs> good enough at killing. They're good enough at killing to put a thorn in the side, and you come back to America where it's just everything's changed. Yeah. And I imagine, uh, I imagine that was probably very jarring for veterans. That's probably true. That I mean, I think even today, homecoming for veterans requires a hard. ton of adjustment and sometimes a lot of help. Yeah, because the world hasn't changed that much, but. You know, their perception of the world, their world experience changes a ton. Right, exactly. And so imagine both of those, you know, going off to war, fighting your battles, experiencing your loss and your your own personal development. Right. And then you come back and then the world you left behind is so different. No, yeah, I think you're you're very right. So, um, you know, that was a uh, that was an interesting um, little bit of that uh, tip that I, I picked up. A little background info. Yeah, a little background info to spice up our <laughs> podcast here. Good. This is good, the Wikipedia good. podcast. <laughs> Basically. Anyway. Was um, there more? I think that wraps us up, Cece. All right, cool. So for our next selection, we are, well, we have our bonus episode coming out on the 12th, I believe. Uh, yes, that sounds right. Um, it might be late. Which, lovely. as we announced in the last episode will be The Name of the Wind by um, Patrick Rothfuss. Patrick Rothfuss. Sorry, guys, I'm sleepy. It's the day after Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're recording um, this day after Christmas. So if we sound uh, sleepy... If we sound a little bit deflated, it's My voice sounds tired. rough. It's because I'm sick. Uh, it was. It's a bad day, but Cece is going off on vacation. <laughs> Sad book. Post-Christmas. And we definitely have to do it before then. Yeah, we really had no choice but to record prior to my vacation because I will be away when this episode comes out. So, anyway... Um, 
I think we're going to kind of continue with the time dilation and the effect that that has on people vein um, with our next selection, which will be Interstellar, the film. Once again, because uh, the name of the wind is a, is a slog. It's a big old book. It's a big old and book. And we realistically don't think we can read two books between now and then. So That would be tough. Bonus episode on the 12th, Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. I, listen, I don't want to make it sound bad. It's very, very good. It's an extremely good book. For but sure. But it's long. And it will take us a while. So we're then going to, on the sci-fi side, do a movie. A movie we've been meaning to do for the last several weeks, honestly, and keep pushing back for various reasons. So it's time. Interstellar. And that will be on the 14th. That'll come out. Of January. Yep, absolutely. 2019, um, if you can believe it. Yeah, it came here faster than anyone thought. <laughs> All right, um, and then that audio, that book right there actually is a fantastic audiobook. So Gothis, we have a mind. link on our website that gives you uh, two free audiobooks if you sign up for an Audible trial instead of just the one. That's right. And uh, you also help us out because um, one of those, if you click on that link and just sign up for the trial, no money down, nothing. You can cancel your trial as soon as you get your books. Uh, and then you, we get a month worth of hosting money for that. So that, that helps us out a ton. Uh, very um, so much. So you can find a link at the bottom of our website. Um, our current website for Sci-Fi Sidebar is sci-fi-sidebar.pinecast.co. That's going to change um, relatively soon, but uh, it, it will remain up through this uh, the release of the next episode. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so if, if we're making The Name of the Wind sound super unappealing because of its length... Or you've gone to a bookstore and looked at it and been like, I don't want to read this. This is too long. The uh, audiobook really makes it fly through. Especially if you're traveling over the holidays or anything else. It gives you a, a world that you can sink your teeth into. That audiobook and is also uh, is very it's very well done. It's a very well it's, produced. It's very, very well done. To. One of my top favorites ever. Yeah, it's actually my favorite audiobook. Oh yeah, straight up? Oh, 100%. It's so I think good. that and the Red Rising series probably for me. That Red Rising series is also very good. Oh, and obviously Jim Dale's Harry Potter, my very first, and my first and always audiobook. <laughs> you never forget your first. You never forget your first. Anyway, this has been audiobooks. <laughs> it's been audiobook podcast audiobook. <laughs> Point is, there's a lot of great ones on there, so if you're thinking about signing up for Audible, this might be a great chance. Uh, and you get those two free audiobooks. Anyway, all right. Yep. Um, I think that about wraps us up. Cece, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us at facebook.com slash sci-fi sidebar or facebook.com slash the signifying nothing network or email us at signifying nothing network.com at wait hang on signifying nothing network at gmail.com there it is signifying nothing (laughs) network at gmail.com is that email address we have changed it so we can keep it forever even if we change our website hosters because we yes. are obviously currently between website hosters. We're working on it. We're finding we're finding our place in the internet. Yeah, we're we're poking around. We're we're cruising the field. Um, exactly. That that about uh that that does it. That's then. pretty much it. That's all we got. All right. This has been Sci-Fi Sidebar by Signified Nothing Network. A tale told by idiots. Thanks for listening. Hey, good New Year's, guys. Yeah, happy New Year. Happy New Year.